0: You are locked down to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, lead analyst at Free Dawkins on YouTube, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, contributor at
1: Mavs.com. Award season is over, Isaac Harris. The past season is done. We tied the bow on yep. the 2018-19, 17-18 season. No, or 18-19 season. Now I'm getting all confused. And... Uh, <laughs> It's done. We're done with it. Ward season's done. The Majestic was awesome. (laughs) I actually do have a question for you. Go for it. So, listening to uh, Bill Simmons and Ryan Rossillo the other day. Yeah. They were joking about hard knocks and how the NBA would never do it. It'd
0: just be the greatest.
1: Which team for this past season would have put up the most entertaining season? Come, a, on. Come on. You got the Lakers. Come on, there's only yes. one answer. <laughs> Can anybody counter the Lakers? Let me just We have Boston. Okay. I got to counter. Okay, Boston is a good
0: one. Philly. Okay, the Warriors at the beginning of the season when they had the Durant and Draymond.
1: Holy crap, that stuff. was still this season? That was this season. Like that was still a thing. Okay. Okay. If Okay, yeah, because <laughs> I, I do want to pitch out Philly because anything with Embiid would be content. Yes. And then you get Jimmy Butler. Did,
0: were you watching in the game, they're, uh, in uh, game five, when they were talking about his diet? No. Roz, Roz was talking about <laughs> Embiid's diet and how he loves chocolate and he loves ice cream. And now instead of eating, he used to eat all the time, and now he only eats those things before 9 p.m. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, to like cut out certain things in his diet and how picky he is. And he's like, he'll only eat salmon if it's very well done. It's just very funny talking about Embiid's diet. He's just this massive human that I'm sure has to eat all this food all the time. That would be on Hard
1: Knocks. Anybody else? Philly right, exactly. and Boston are two teams Philly, Boston, Golden State. Anybody else that I'm not thinking of that would have had a lot of. I don't know, just juicy stuff. Oh, okay. I'm not okay. gonna lie. Dallas <laughs> wouldn't be very wouldn't be that bad. Wouldn't be because... too bad.
0: The, the freeze out stuff at the beginning of the season. But but the thing is about hard knocks is it only starts at the beginning of the season through the preseason. So you have to think about stuff that happened uh, at the beginning of the season.
1: Oh well, okay. Okay. You have the arrival of Luca. Yeah. Potential Dirk last class season. season. Dirt they went injury. to China. Yeah. And then you get yeah, all that stuff, the well. I'm picturing if hard knocks was throughout the whole season, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, Okay, if it's throughout the whole season, I have the answer to counter the Lakers.
0: Okay, I'm ready. The Minnesota Timberwolves.
1: Okay, so I thought about them at the very beginning, but after the Jimmy trade, what done? Yeah, but
0: that's all you need. That's all you want. Is you just want that whole saga, and that lasted a long time. I mean, that lasted months and months at the beginning of the season. That's true. That was good stuff. New
1: Orleans with with Anthony Davis, maybe. Ooh. What if they pitched a Hard Knocks NBA show in which every two months they went to a different team?
0: Oh yes, they just have so to you, they just have to nail it each time which team they went
1: to. It's like Minnesota at the beginning, Lakers at the end. Yeah. What could you do in the middle? Uh, anyway, what they'll never the, do that. What it, would be but, the worst team on a Hard Knocks? Oh my gosh, the worst team—the Grizzlies, um, we're going Cleveland, yeah, Memphis, Cleveland. and Lakers. Just nothing. I don't know what why anybody would tune in for that. The Wizards no. would just be the saddest. John Wall's injury, Beal just like the only would,
0: consummate professional.
1: It would be like behind the <laughs> scenes of how they broke it to the team that John Wall fell in his house. In his house. And, and yeah, and how the future of the franchise is done, and all this stuff. Ernie oh, Grunfeld man. getting uh, getting fired though. Oh, uh, that yes, uh, that would be nice. That would be to good. Toronto would
0: be pretty boring.
1: <laughs> Kawhi.
0: The
1: Spurs. Yeah, Spurs. Spurs just have,
0: like, the Deontay Murray injury, and that's kind of it. Man, how good would they be if they – anyway. um, I mean, next year when they have Deontay Murray back, Derek White has now emerged, and, like, Lonnie Walker is now the third guard all of a sudden.
1: I freaking love Lonnie Walker. Anyway.
0: Anyway, anyway, that is is a great question, a great hypothetical, and I wish it could happen. Someday someone will do some kind of documentary series. Didn't Bill do one for the – Bill Simmons did one for the the finals, kind of like that, but he just yeah, have, it was he, awesome.
1: Didn't have the full access and everything. But um, he had a ton of access, and he, I mean, it it was really good. I think it got nominated for some type of award or something. I think but,
0: was, I think it was a Sports Emmy.
1: But uh, yeah, it, nothing, nothing like NFL, as far as just, just that wild. behind the scenes. The only that, thing they do right. Yeah,
0: it, yeah, yeah, pretty much. And that's what that's what they said in the podcast too, but. Today on the podcast, we are we're done with last season. We're done with the award stuff. We hope you guys at least we know the the OGs, the uh, day oneers, the Raccoon Squad, the original listeners of the Lockdown Mavericks enjoy the Maps Academy Awards. Uh, we understand some of you don't. It's not for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's time for us to look back and reflect, and instead of doing it like an award show, like review or just to, to do like a season review, just like a hey, remember when this happened? We tried to do it, you know, kind of fun and add some some skits in there and i'm glad some people enjoyed the uh solid measure you've hit less threes than sala <laughs> we enjoyed that we enjoyed the memoriam. the memoriam is my favorite part of lockdown maps maybe the entire year uh, it is one of our favorite moments and i laughed a lot it's so great uh but today we're going to we're going to t- talk about a couple topics the mavericks are obviously out of the playoffs <laughs> they, what they no way they didn't make the playoffs the playoffs are still going on so we're going to talk about some playoffs i mean We don't do a ton of national NBA stuff during the season, but for the playoffs we probably will because it's the stuff that's going on. We'll also be doing draft profiles soon. We'll be getting into that. Uh, We'll obviously do free agent profiles. We've done our off-season overview, so I don't have to tell you all that. But uh, today I've got some some playoff questions. And then in that same Bill Simmons, Ryan Rossillo podcast, there's a conversation, and there's been a conversation about, you know, uh, this Russell Westbrook next question you know, in the locker room, these these media pressers and stuff like that. And that's been a big conversation in in a lot of different mediums, not just that podcast, but a lot of different mediums have been talking about Russell Westbrook and how he next questions Barry Trammell all the time. And they talked about it on that podcast and we wanted to discuss that as two young, you know, reporters that are like barely just getting our start. And uh and what those pressers in the locker room conversation, what that means for us as is a a different in a different perspective because i heard i feel like a lot of the people that have been talking about this are people on the other side guys that Mm -hmm. have sources guys that have you know this access and that that have been through it and you know have done all that stuff and not on the 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 beginning side of it and so we wanted to to bring our kind of
1: and somebody tweeted at us asking if we would talk about it on the pod and i hadn't really thought about talking about it on the pod uh until that tweet so uh shout out to you bro i wish i had your twitter handle this segment is for you and anybody else. Who wants <laughs> yeah, to just for him,
0: just for him. <laughs> just for you.
1: Yeah. So, uh, so we wanted to talk about that because I think we have a perspective on that.
0: Um, so, yeah let's do let's do that conversation first. Let's uh, let's talk about that, but let's take a quick break first, and then when we come back, we'll talk about Russell Westbrook. Next question: the media, locker rooms, pressers, and all that stuff. All right, Isaac. So. Russell Westbrook has been doing this thing for months. This is not a new thing that has come up. This is something that you know Barry Trammell was um, one of the the writers that was kind of responsible for that that uh, article about Kevin Durant that said Mr. Unreliable on the front cover of the newspaper uh the Oklahoman and uh he wasn't responsible for that title obviously because he you know writes his stories he doesn't come up with the titles or the tags or anything like that but uh <laughs> And he famously, when he saw that, he was like, uh, oh, crap. <laughs> when he saw that they put Mr. Unreliable on it and on the website, too. And he thought it would blow over. It didn't blow over, obviously. And so it's just been this long-running bad relationship between Durant and Trammell. And now Westbrook has kind of carried that on as Westbrook does. And so anytime that Barry Trammell, this reporter for the Oklahoman, asks Russell Westbrook a question in these kind of scenarios where you have a podium, and you have what we call pressers, and so it's you know one player, two players, a coach or whatever sits in front of the whole media. Media sit in these chairs, and the Mavericks do it every single game uh, with the coach. They don't do it with the players as much. They'll do it with the players every once in a while. They did it with Dirk's last game. They've done it with Dirk when he passed you know thirty thousand points. They've done it with. Have they done it with? I can't remember any other players that they've done it recently. Tony af- Romo after. game <laughs>
1: They did it with Tony
0: Romo. That is true. Uh, And so that we do, we call that a presser. And so
1: the playoffs, they obviously roll this out for the playoffs and every series they have these huge playoff things set up with tables and all that stuff. But normally for players, you just go in the locker room. If they think there's going to be just an overwhelming amount of media waiting for one player at his locker, then that's when they'll host it in the room.
0: And that's when that player will step up to the podium and uh, famously people say you have a podium game, and that's why. When you have a podium game, you play really, really well, and people want to talk to you. Russell Westbrook is in front of the podium a lot, and anytime Brady Trammell asks him a question, he says next question, or he says something to that ilk. It doesn't really give him an answer. And then Paul George kind of did the same thing about a different question, and then it kind of sparked this whole conversation.
1: But Westbrook, I, I do want to say, it's this is not all about Trammell, though. Westbrook doesn't really like to answer any of these type of questions. Like you even saw the other night after they lost, he, like, it's any type of question. He does the next question, next question with Barry Trammell. But any other type of questions that are great questions, it's one word answers. I don't know what this one person went on this whole big spiel the other night. Of like you've been down three one before, you fought back. You've won against this before against Memphis back in two thousand fourteen. What you know? It was a great question. Like what? What's your message to the team? Or what? What do you you know? How do you plan for this? I mean, I, I don't really know. Like come. So it's, it it is the next question thing with Trammel, but it's a bigger thing too with everyone else. So, why do we do these? It, you know, the
0: conversation with Bill Simmons and Rosillo kind of felt like they were saying that it was antiquated that it was, you know, old and that we don't need to do these pressers anymore. And then the then the topic of the locker room came up where there's too many people in the locker room and you never get anything real out of a locker room and uh, from my perspective, the pressers you don't really get anything out of. You do get the opportunity to ask your question to, to, you know, for whatever story you're working on, for whatever content you're working on. And you give the subject, either a player or a coach, the opportunity to answer the question. 90 times out of a hundred, <laughs> nine times out of 10, I guess maybe 95 times out of a hundred. They do not answer the question in an adequate way that you would like. Uh, Sometimes you just see quotes in a story, and you're like, "Oh, they just kind of plug that quote in." It just it did answer the question, but didn't really give you anything, any nuance or anything interesting that really adds to your story. It just kind of adds legitimacy that you have a quote in there. That happens in stories all the time. Um, Every once in a while, they will give you something interesting. We had the this week. We even had you know Durant give that interesting um, anecdote about Patrick Beverly guarding him and stuff like that. And so sometimes that that stuff happens. But the locker room, to me. Having availability in the locker room is where the relationship starts between media and players. Where else where we're not given access in really any other capacity? I mean, once the season is done, we're kind of kinda of, we're kind of shut out. And then even in practices, you're allowed to go and then maybe they bring one at least the Mavericks, they bring one or two players out. You're allowed to ask them questions in a media scrum, not really a one on one situation, and then you're kinda of out. And so if you're not one of these bigger guys, like we talked about all the time, we talked to the Mark Steins, the Brad Townsends, the Tim McMahons, the guys like that. If you're not one of those guys, then you don't get any access to players one-on-one except for those locker room situations. And so I don't think that's outdated. I think it's tough. I think it's tough to to try and work all those and try to be there and you got to find the right time and you got to... I mean, sometimes you got to ask a question over and over again to try and get get a good answer. You have to keep trying and go back. Um, The pressers, though, are... That, that's just a numbers game. I mean, that that's literally like you, you get a batting average essentially in a, in a presser. You, you ask, you know, a hundred questions and maybe you get 10 of them answered in a way that is interesting or, you know, well thought out at least that, that, that that's my perspective on it.
1: Yeah. So you kind of got to look at the demographic of who's in the room and who's at the games and what media looks like now compared to years ago. I did disagree with a lot of what Bill Simmons was going with on his podcast because you know he's coming from a perspective now to where he has a lot of NBA sources. This isn't his job anymore. You know this isn't what he does. He's not like a reporter. He, he never really yeah, was a reporter. It, but. It's not his his thing. So uh, let's just look at Dallas for instance, and you look at the main media people that are there. We all we've all heard the uh, the. I don't know that the downsizing of the media workforce, uh, I don't even uh, have the, the best way to say it. We saw newspapers go out. We've seen people like Dwayne price and Eddie Sefco get laid off from covering the Mavericks for decades, uh, from, yeah. for staple uh, newspapers here in Dallas and Fort Worth and, and, and for the Dallas morning news and stuff for Eddie and stuff. Um, the The number of full-time beat writers for a lot of teams, they've went down a lot. I mean, you see jokes about like the Pelicans and some of these teams of like, do they even have one? You know, people like there there was a while back somebody made a joke on a broadcast or something. and, and like a couple of the few that did cover the team spoke and I was like, no, I'm here because it, yeah, yeah the it pelicans game they are like, does anyone even I don't think anyone even covers the team <laughs> and, like, yes, and we no, we they saw. Do. I remember seeing a tweet back in uh, back during the season, and it was a it was a guy that was at a Cavaliers practice this past season, yeah. and he was tweeting out saying, "I'm the only one here for this practice," <laughs> and uh, which is crazy because so now you look at it and say, how many full time guys are dedicated to just covering the team, and that's when you get somebody like Brad Townsend that's been around the team for a long time. He he is that Tim Cato now at the Athletic, you know, he is just still getting his feet but he's honestly one of the longest tenured people covering the Mavericks right now on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, because you, you see a lot of people that's thrown at, thrown there for like different assignments yeah. and different things, but full-time, and even Tim doesn't travel to a bunch of the games. Right. He travels to a decent amount of them, but like full-time Both beat teams. writers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Full-time beat writers. Go to every single game, home and away. Dwayne Price used to have this record, and it was crazy. He <laughs> he used to have this record, say he's been to two hundred and something <laughs> consecutive Mavs games, which is, I mean, that's it's crazy. He never missed one, and all this stuff. It's, almost so, as good as a sellout streak. I mean,
0: almost, uh, as good. almost, almost. And and, and by the way, that's why Isaac and I will never call ourselves beat writers. And when some people no. say that, we'll always push back and we'll never call ourselves that because this is not true.
1: Full respect for those guys because those are the guys that put in the time. They travel. They get paid to do that. And there's a, there is a sense of respect and uh, that comes with that because when Rick Carlisle and these players see these guys on the road and at practices and even home practices, when they see you showing up to practice over and over and over again, they... They get that kind of respect for you, of like they're in it for for the long haul. There's a difference between when you see a media face show up for the Warriors game after the game, and you're like, yeah. you're just here before the Warriors game. Like we know, we we see these media people, and it's like, bro, I only see you for the Warriors and Lakers and some of these big teams. Where are you at for the Tuesday night Nets game? That's the things that for media sometimes get frustrating. So going back to the demographic of what oppressor means. Some of these guys have deadlines. Like I know Brad Townsend still has deadlines now for the the newspaper. A lot of these beat writers, they would have to have these deadlines that they had to have a game recap story done by an hour after the game ended or an hour and a half, however long it is. So these press conferences let them have the ability to ask questions about the game. I get get a lot of decent stuff out of press conferences because I'm not asking controversial questions. I write for Mavs.com and I write about off-the-court type of stories, I write about like player development type things. When I write about Jalen Brunson this past year or Maxi Kleba and how they've grown as players and as prospects for the Mavericks, I'm asking general questions that Carlisle doesn't mind answering about their development and all that stuff. Those can come from press conferences. I'm not going to get up there and say, why did you know Dennis Smith Jr. stay at home today? Are you picking up your option? Yeah, are you picking up your options? Something like that. That those are type of things you're you're going to get bull crap answers yeah. for. So there is a t- there is a place for press conferences. Yes, and what you were saying earlier is it, you hit the nail on the head. The locker room availability, especially for a lot of young people, this is where you build those relationships. That was you know one of the first times I met Harrison Barnes. It wasn't in a locker room. It's outside a locker room. But you gotta be you gotta go out of your way. But over time you know, staying after games. I can't tell you how many times that me and Harris has sat at his locker after the game, after media left. Mm -hmm. And it was never recording. We were talking about Tar Heels. We were talking about church. We were talking about different ministries that we both had passions for locker room access, get builds those relationships. That's where you see. So yeah, the Mark Steins, Tim McMahons, these guys, they've, they, they started off somewhere. And over time, now they're now that they don't you heard Mark Stein a while back on somebody's podcast saying, I can't even go in the locker room now. There's just too many people. There's too many people. There's too many. Yeah. Well, and he doesn't he, need to. He doesn't need to. He doesn't have to because he has the relationships. So the demographic of what media looks like, especially in Dallas, you have a few full-time beat guys. You have some traveling beat guys. And then you have a ton of bloggers. You have a bunch of people who do it. You have a handful of people that do it for free. They're trying to get into the business. You got a handful of people that's doing it for... I mean, there. Yes, for just a a penny on the dollar, it feels like. You're just trying... There's so many people trying to get their foot in the door Mm -hmm. because there's a passion. There's a a, a place for that. And then you have radio stations. You have different people. So it's... I don't agree with the Bill Simmons thing that we don't need locker room things. We do. now I do say it is really weird when players, especially when you first start, players are just straight up changing in front of you, and they you know mastering the putting on clothes underneath a towel around their yeah. waist and stuff. But there are women all in the locker room, and that's just part of it. It was weird for me in my first year coming to Lee. I'm like, this is super weird. I see it, like. <laughs> seen different things like in a locker room and like, this is awkward. And I know the maps are
0: really good at it though. I, I, I didn't see it. I didn't feel like I saw a ton of things in the, in the locker room.
1: Yeah. Know, and like... you're just like casually looking around, looking at the ceiling, like looking at the new blue lights oh, yeah. in the locker room, like it every day they start... change the locker room. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, but there's a lot of women in there and stuff and you know, players are super respectful and all yes. that, but that part I do get, cause that can be a little awkward and, and all that stuff. But yeah, I, it, it would be super hard to take away locker room availability just for the fact of people getting their foot in the door. It's hard to build relationships outside of that. And you you just, you almost have to have that. And so taking it back to the conversation with Westbrook,
0: this idea of him going, you know, no question on this is uh, he can do that. That's his right, obviously. And Barry Trammell just going to keep asking the questions and whoever else is just going to keep asking the questions. But the media Paint the picture of who the player is. the player has control of his narrative in some respects, but there's not a lot of players there's not a lot of media that comes straight from players that fans really like latch onto. you know what I mean like you've seen a lot of mm. these players try and start YouTube accounts or start these you know even even in tweeting and stuff like that they'll take it with a grain of salt and not really believe it. And uh, you don't really feel like you're getting the real, authentic person because it's a lot of it's like super produced stuff and a lot of things like that. And so the media, you know, kind of captures the narrative around a player, captures what you know what they're going through, everything like that. And uh, for for Russell Westbrook, it's kind of you know I agree with Steve Kerr that it's kind of dangerous for him because a guy that was not super friendly with the media was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was one of the greatest players in NBA history. But he's never talked about. And he's never talked about because he was very, um, I guess, abrasive with media. He just didn't really like media. It was kind of like Russell Westbrook. He just didn't really want to be a part of it. And he's just left out of these these conversations, in large part because he just wasn't super open about And he just doesn't get talked about. And, uh, and I think that's a path that Russell Westbrook can go down. It's obviously different now than it was with Kareem because there's so many other avenues to get your – you know, your brand out there and to get your, um, your image out there. But that's a path that I think he could go down. And it's, I mean, if he wants to do that, I mean, go ahead. He's his own person. Do you, you do you. If you want to don't, you know, what is the, what is his mountain Dew commercial?
1: Don't ever warm up to slow jams. (laughs) Oh gosh. What is, I mean, I think he's already down that path. I mean, I, I think he's well well yeah. down that path, and he just has that reputation. And yeah, there's a part of him probably says, "Hey, I'm I'm on a max contract. I'm one of the best players in the league. I don't give a crap. I don't give hey, a, a crap." he's on what a NBA super max contract. <laughs> super max. Jeez. And you know, I think that it is. You know, from Bill to other people has talked about the culture that OKC has created and what their organization and media and what they've allowed to happen and different things like that. And there is a story. I mean, there is um, there is background with. As far as media covering teams and the whole Homer aspect of that, that is a, that's a huge part of it because, because if you don't, I mean, everybody, people make their jabs and their jokes because media, technically you're supposed to be neutral. Like you're not, if you're a media, like if you are a a beat writer, you're supposed to be neutral covering the team. That's part of your integrity as a journalist. And you know, who kind of ruined that to an extent is Bill Simmons himself. (laughs) Being the yeah. being the
0: Boston sports guy just became a a whole new brand of media that I mean we wouldn't be doing this podcast right now if he hadn't done what he did.
1: Yeah, and Bill's a whole different aspect of it of having this you know having this team and even the Ringer. It's cool that all these people writing stuff they all have their different teams. That's where I that's where I <laughs> that's where I have my passion. My passion is for the Mavericks. I wanted to write in a more of a home because I am a fan of the team. I don't care to say some things of like hey white Powell shouldn't shoot a three-pointer sometimes i mean come on don't shoot the three you shoot bricks. but Mm i i'm i lean more towards that way but teams want to try to control that more than what some people probably think or they might think it and they don't they don't know for sure if that's true or not as far as things getting you know written and then the amount of people you might not think certain people read it and they actually do. And then it trickles down of, Hey, I didn't like that. So I might not give you a quote or I might not give you something or AKA stop asking about something or someone, uh, or I'm going to try to embarrass you and, um, different people. I don't know what that's about. I mean, come on. I mean, no clue, but you have to, (laughs) you have, you have to, there's different things like that of, People want to, the team wants to be painted in a good light. And you see that even, I mean, and people are mentioned about how, like, broadcast, local broadcasts. I think Mark and, and Harp are pretty good. You see their bias sometimes. Yes. But you listen to some other people, holy crap. Oh, they're, I mean, they're so big homers. But you can't really complain about that. That's part of it. They're paid by the team. So, like, just, you just got to roll with it. If you're watching that, you just got to watch it with that understanding. So, I feel like we're talking about media a lot right now, but I mean, that was kind of the conversation we wanted to have, but, um, and, and it's like now it's, it's more free flowing when we're, when you're talking about like press conferences and stuff and the whole thing of who, who can get what quote, that's a huge thing too, because obviously whatever happens in a press conference, whatever happens in a medium, uh, media scrum, it's fair game. If I ask, "Hey Luca, why didn't you uh, why didn't you wear your red shoes tonight?" and he says, "Well, I want to wear my blue shoes," anybody mm-hmm. in that scrum can use that quote and put it in the story, and they don't have to credit me. Or just that's a just tweet. Part, yes, that's part of a media scrum. I had I, I had a media person write me a couple years ago, DM me, just asking me if a if a certain quote was <laughs> was used in a media scrum or a one on one, and. For that reason, so they could use that for a a, you know for a piece, and but if it was a one on one, I was gonna get the credit. It's that type of stuff that media people you see uh, different dynamics with media because some media etiquette at that point. It is etiquette, yeah, yeah, but there there is a dynamic of you know you get the and that's where the respect comes in when rick carlisle or some of these players see your face showing up at practice every other day and especially they know you're not like a beat guy and you're not like a full-time guy you're sacrificing some things you're sacrificing gas money if you're not getting paid full-time for that you're really putting you're really putting a lot of stuff out there to try to get your foot in the door and to some people that that really means a lot to them and you gain a lot of respect for that but then you don't show up and then you're trying to get information you, you might lose some respect. It's a give and take business and it's wild. There's pros and cons of it. There's part there's some days that I we I like love being a, a part of it. There's some days I walk away and I'm like, "Man, there's some shady crap that goes on." Um, <laughs> or you're
0: like, "I didn't get anything from any of those questions I just asked."
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it it makes you I say when I see the Russell Westbrook stuff, I do get frustrated. I get frustrated, and I'm like, "Come on, bro! Like, it's just part of it. Just answer the questions. Like, you don't even have to give like super in depth answers. But they're obviously writing their story. It just makes you more appreciative of guys like Dirk, of guys like Harrison Barnes, a guy, new guys like Jalen Brunson, like some of these guys, like some of these dude. DeAndre Jordan was was great when he was here. Like, I'm just thinking back to some, but Harrison Barnes was just. He wasn't thrilled to talk to us all the time. I mean, it wasn't at all. But he would sit there and just take the questions after a blowout or after a win. He'd take the questions, give you answers, because he realizes that we have jobs to do. And these guys are making money to pay for their families and a living and everything like that. And this, it's part of the job. And, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, anyway.
0: There you go. That's our conversation we wanted to have about media. Hopefully you got something from it and uh, got our perspective on it and uh, yeah, that's what we think. All right, Isaac, next question. <laughs> All right, let's take another break and when we come back, let's talk a little bit about the playoffs. All right, Isaac. So the playoffs, we pretty much have the we pretty much have the Eastern Conference set. Uh, as we're recording this right now, Toronto just won. And Philly is doubling up on Brooklyn right now in Game Five. It's like seventy something to thirty something. It's
1: <laughs> guys, y'all remember that time Brooklyn won Game One, and I was oh super hyped because Brooklyn, because I picked Brooklyn to win this series. Uh, yeah, that was a long time ago. You picked Brooklyn and U- and Houston or and uh, Utah. Those are San Antonio, San Antonio. No, you d- didn't you pick Utah? No, huh, no, but you did. No, I picked the Rockets. Yeah, so uh,
0: so that's gonna be the the Eastern Conference. Is- I mean, this, the semifinals is what we've been waiting for all season, pretty much. Ever since we've pretty much figured out that Milwaukee is amazing, that Boston's going to be as, not as good as we thought, but still really good. Toronto was going to be good, obviously, with Kawhi. And then Philly got Butler and then eventually Tobias Harris. This was what we've been waiting for. And, man, I don't have a feel for Milwaukee-Boston. I watched all the, all the first-round games. And I have no idea because their opponents were just so bad. <laughs> Indiana didn't okay. have anybody
1: to score at all. Imagine LeBron's Cavs in the second round. Would all four of these teams be the best team he would play in the second or first round of the past five years?
0: Mm, I'd have to look back. Five years ago is 2014.
1: Yeah.
0: What teams do we have? We had some Pacers teams in there. My, early we my whole bad.
1: point is the east is, it's so it's much better now it's and really it strong like right now it's why as LeBron, soon as lebron leaves now there's actually some good teams in there because he had a cakewalk for like a decade but <laughs> that what nick and i were talking about before this podcast of normally you have these juggernaut series that are going to be great that you want to watch every single game of normally you have those in the conference finals in the finals and but you have some like days in between like you might get like a tuesday night and like oh man there's no games this sucks with, this, with these juggernaut series happening in the second round, we're going to have like every night of nonstop great basketball that I know my wife is just beyond excited for because <laughs> this is going to be on our TV every single night. Uh, but no, it's going to be uh, that second round. Good luck. If you're into sports betting, just good luck. That's all you. I'm not in that. So have fun with guessing what's going to happen with that. Real quick picks. Um, let's see. I have our picks.
0: Somewhere. Um, how are you feeling about Milwaukee Boston? Um, I'm leaning uh Boston. Let's see. I had okay, I had you're leading Boston. Okay, I had Milwaukee in six in round two.
1: Okay, okay before I I really I tend to really value playoff experience and big time players on those stages. I know that time's coming for Giannis and this could be it. Yeah. I'm just yeah. I've, I put a lot of value in Kyrie Irving in that series, and I think he'll outplay Eric Bledsoe. I don't know. I love. I would love for any, either one of those teams. I, lo- I like both of them. The
0: emergence of Gordon Hayward has been really big. I mean, he had he had 20 points in their, their closeout game. He had a couple other double-digit games. These past couple weeks before the playoffs started, he really has emerged. And if if they can get some some good production from him throughout this, I mean, that that's a dangerous team. But you are really relying on Jason Tatum to be your secondary scorer creator. You don't have well, that. You don't have who Marcus. Who Giannis Smart. guard? Giannis would Tatum? guard. Giannis can guard anyone. Giannis can guard Kyrie. Because <laughs> I think you'd he's probably you going to guard Tatum, I guess, or Chris Middleton. Yeah, I think I think you Chris have to Middleton put
1: Jalen Brown on Middleton, and then do they start Marcus Morris to just throw him at? The, thing, the thing that they've done and- with Giannis, what they did in the first round is they put
0: Giannis like on Blake. And so then, or they put him on the four. And so then he was just able to kind of roam around. And so they might put him on Jalen Brown and just let him, you know, kind of roam and Rome. be able to, you know, either way I want to watch stuff. every game of this. Oh, I'm so excited about it. Philly and Toronto, um, Philly kind of found themselves, which I'm, I'm glad they did in this Brooklyn series. Toronto had that hiccup against Orlando
1: I'm just not a fan of this Philly team.
0: Yeah, it's just it. I I mean, it does honestly feel like you know the talent versus team, you know, thing that I brought up at the beginning of Brooklyn Philly when Brooklyn won the first game. Philly has a ton of talent. It's just they haven't really played well together. They have these. They have these spurts where it's like Embiid does some stuff, and then you know Butler does some stuff, and then Simmons does some stuff for a game, and you know, there's just all these different things. We're getting a lot of Bobon minutes, especially with Embiid's injury, and that. I mean, Toronto's going to rip him apart.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I want to see Embiid versus Mark Gasol. I want to see Kawhi Leonard, Jimmy Butler. I want to see Kyle Lowry. I want to see – Kyle Lowry has to have a big-time series.
0: Besides Al Horford, I think Mark Gasol might be the most equipped big man in this Eastern Conference to guard Embiid, right? Maybe in the whole playoffs.
1: Yeah, Gasol. I think Ibaka could at least. I mean, there's going to at least. Too small. Over under. Seven technicals in this series. <laughs> in uh, Philly, Toronto.
0: Yeah, seven and a half over under. Yeah, the Serge Ibaka choked someone out in this series. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a, yeah yeah. It's gonna be a fun series. I want to see who Kawhi guards. Will it be Jimmy or will it be seven, Ben? yeah i'm 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 anxious to see that Kawhi leonard is out of this world if any of you jumped off that wagon uh, during his season that he took his sabbatical or whatever it was mm-hmm. then uh you better hope you back, you jump back on because he's a top five player in the league Is lebron a top five player in the league still yeah no
0: he is no he's not and then with philly they go to that big lineup and then Kyle Lowry, good luck guarding anybody in that big in the big lineup that they that they do. Sometimes they go like Simmons, they'll go Simmons and Butler, Tobias, and then like they'll throw Mike Scott out there instead of JJ Redick. And you're like, oh my gosh, this
1: lineup is massive. Uh, <laughs> I put Kyle Lowry on Mike Scott at that point. I just play my chance. You can take him in the post. I'll live with Mike Scott post. Yeah, ups. post. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And then on the other side, pretty much gonna get Warriors, uh, Warriors,
1: Rockets. My bloodbath. I think that I think that helps Houston more than anybody, because you get like a healthier Chris Paul, you get a more um, less rejuvenated James Harden. James Harden. Yeah, Uh, but I still think Golden State. I think a lot of people would be trendy with this and take Houston, and I think that that will favor Golden State because I think Golden State's gonna be. I'm gonna say Golden State in six or less
0: yeah golden state this is what they've been looking forward to we've been talking about how they've been coasting all all season if they're gonna ever show up this is when they're gonna show up (laughs) you know yes this is the series they've been waiting for because they think that this is their finals essentially hey do you know how Utah defended James Harden I do I know very well how Utah defended James Harden I don't think that I don't think that the Warriors are gonna do that they don't have Rudy Gobert behind them what about Donnie Mitchell though Heck yeah, man. I, that was, I was very excited about that game for him. Good for him.
1: Yeah. Somebody compared him to Dennis Smith Jr. and just stop. Yeah.
0: What was the one I sent you last night? Somebody tweeted out that
1: he was. I like, don't know. Oh, gosh. I know when you sent me today. Donovan, M- uh, Donovan
0: Mitchell. this is somebody. Uh, somebody Khadija Flames tweeted out, Don- Donovan Mitchell is just a polite Russell Westbrook. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was funny. I don't think the comparison is there, obviously, but this
1: is really funny. I love Donnie.
0: Yeah, I think I think Golden State in six, but Houston has been guarding really well. I mean, they yeah. they're just like locking down Utah, and Utah's not this crazy good offense. But the other thing is, I don't know if they have anybody to guard Durant. I mean, who are they gonna put on him? PJ Tucker? That's kind of their that's who they've been playing at four. Good luck. Austin, that, Austin Rivers. That's the big difference is just Kevin Durant is just way better than anyone they have to throw at him.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, low-key, Andrew Bogut's been nice. <laughs> it's he, he just, wild
0: to look back and see, like, oh, look, Andrew Bogut's back. It's like he never left. Also, he never played with Durant, and so it's
1: weird to see him now on this team with Durant. <laughs> he just knows the system, and he's such yeah. a savvy vet. And, yeah, I it's going to be – Utah didn't have anybody to really guard James Harden, and I don't think anybody can guard James Harden, but you at least have guys you can, you know, clay, even Durant at times. Iguodala's going to probably guard him a lot. Iggy, like, yeah. And, yeah. Eric Gordon played well. It's going to be a bloodbath. It'll be fun to watch.
0: Yeah, on both sides, I think. I think Houston's going to take some games big. Um, and they just got to hit their shots. They didn't hit their shots in game four, and they didn't win, obviously. Yeah. And then... um, Portland, OKC. We still think that Portland. Still Portland. Think uh, by the time you're listening to this, Portland maybe had pulled this out. Uh, man, that, that's wild that they go. I think whoever wins in Denver and San
1: Antonio will beat Portland, though. I don't know about that. I just think they're better teams. I think Dame is on a different level right now. It's so crazy. I want to see Portland in the West Conference Finals really bad. I want to see the Curry, Curry versus Curry. West Conference Finals. I wanna see Dame versus Curry. Oh um, the thing is all of it.
0: the thing is, if San Antonio gets the second round, and I should have picked San Antonio, I picked Denver in seven, but which could still happen. But if San Antonio gets the second round, you don't think Popovich is gonna exploit Ennis Cantor to like the nth degree, just like
1: I mean, you gotta have somebody to exploit it first. So I mean Lamarcus Aldridge is gonna just, just eat him up.
0: <laughs> that's that's the guy, right? If anybody in this whole side of the bracket is going to eat up ennis Cantor. it's going to be Lamarcus aldridge and then who's well, who's behind Cantor? you got zach collins good luck against aldridge
1: no i think Myers i think leonard it's, bring your wife it's out a, and hit some
0: mid-range jumpers
1: <laughs> it's a point guard that's that would put Cantor off the floor it's it yeah they just don't westbrook's he, not he, they're not putting him in these high picking rolls enough and saying hey try to guard me in open yeah. court and they're just, and it's a point guard who can shoot. That's the thing. They're dropping Canner and they're letting Westbrook just take these mid range shots. And you got Dame just clapping because Westbrook is bricking them. <laughs> and uh, so, like, yeah, once they have a, a player like Curry or somebody that can actually hit a jump shot, Cantor's screwed then. So, but yeah, I would be more scared of San Antonio if I was Portland because, yeah, I don't, much like James Harden, I don't think anybody can guard Dame right now. But Derek White would, you know, make it at least interesting for him. He's a good defender.
0: Derek White is the key to the Western Conference right he, now.
1: He's a good defender. I don't think he's going to be putting up 30-something points, but he, I, I like him on defense.
0: If he can do it once a series, though, that wins you a game, and that's what you thats what you ask for, you know?
1: Yeah, and imagine if they had DeJounte Murray, and it, they had Murray and White to guard McCollum. And, and imagine if DeMar DeRozan yeah. didn't throw the ball at that ref,
0: maybe they would have won. <laughs> that
1: was, that was so dumb.
0: Fun. That was just one of the dumbest things. <laughs> Th- turn around like turn around in the air through the ball right at the ref just
1: Okay so Houston Golden State is our, the top one Oh yeah um, they were
0: most excited to watch
1: yes the other uh, Western Conference matchup whatever it ends up being will be the last the, the very
0: bottom even past the East
1: <laughs> What's the second uh what's the second one Milwaukee Boston
0: for me they just have the personalities okay. Giannis versus Kyrie Tatum and Hayward versus you know Middleton and Bledsoe that's going to be fun you have the the weird Baines Brooke Lopez matchup that's gonna be just fascinating. <laughs> yeah, weird stuff like that. You get the uh, the, the Bledsoe versus Rogier with the uh, remember he wore the the Drew Bledsoe jersey to the <laughs> to the <game>. yes. Yeah <laughs> so I that. didn't think about that. Yeah, that rivalry that. coming back. They played last year. They have some history there.
1: You know, I, uh back last week, Hoop magazine, my favorite NBA magazine. Uh, Josh Eberle, they had me on to do this basketball roundtable for the playoffs, and one the, the last question was, "What's the um, what's the storyline of the playoffs in your opinion?" And my answer to that was the upcoming free agent class, and how, especially when you look at the East. How a second round loss could impact some of these guys. If Boston gets beat, what happens with Kyrie? Like, is Kyrie for sure leaving? Is, you know, if he gets, they get put out in the second round. If Kyrie makes a finals run, does that make him want to come back even more? What happens to all Milwaukee's free agents? Chris Middleton, Malcolm Brogdon, Brooke Lopez, Miritich. Like, what happens to all those guys? If they get bounced in the second round? Do they bring back the same team or do they you know, if they make a finals run, then they're like, hey, we gotta bring everybody back because yeah. this is a finals team. Jimmy Butler, what if he just disappears in the second round? Man, what does his value even look like? That I mean that would and then Kawhi, I mean, everybody thinks he's a clipper, but what if Kawhi makes a finals run?
0: I saw I saw somewhere that uh, Kawhi Leonard's social media accounts are run by his sister and he followed like a whole bunch of Lakers accounts the other day.
1: Oh Lord, no. <laughs> I can't even imagine him on the Lakers. <laughs> oh,
0: man. But, hey,
1: that's the guy that you want
0: on the Lakers, though, because he's not going to say anything, and LeBron's going to get all the attention, and it's not going to matter what he does.
1: I think him and AD would be on the Clippers, but Gosh, it's just that like, would
0: be a squad. Holy cow. Yeah.
1: But They'd have to the get rid of are, The storylines in the East would be uh, – oh, yeah. Well, it would be Gallo, SGA, the Miami pick, all that for AD. For AD. But the storylines in the East are just absolutely incredible. And I just can't
0: super excited for the second round. All
1: four of those teams could make it to the finals in some way. I'd say Philly is more the fourth in my opinion, but all four of those teams have a path to the finals up in the West. It's just a path of two teams. Whoever wins that top matchup. is yeah. going to be in the
0: finals. They're going to rock whoever comes out of the bottom half. I mean, it could be a sweep that way, you could see a <laughs> Western, Western conference, conference
1: finals. finals. Yeah. It, it could be bad with ratings.
0: Yeah, it could. Yeah.
1: Unless it's Portland. I think Portland would be fun. I could see Dame going like 35 40 a game and going head to toe with Steph or Harden or something like that and then at that yeah. it's
0: Denver though they they would sweep Denver. I mean they Oh dear god. They would no, absolutely please. destroy them.
1: Unless Jamal Murray tries to like be good. Well, okay, I shouldn't. No, that. he'll
0: get locked he will just get locked down. I mean they they have
1: <laughs> the defenders to take him. They have Michael Porter Jr though. Is he coming back? He's already back. No. <laughs> Malik Beasley, I like him.
0: There you go. Hope you guys enjoyed longer podcasts. We're back to just, you know, day-to-day conversation. And, uh, yeah, we'll be doing draft profiles, free agent profiles, and everything all summer. So we'll be here. Peace out. Boom.